This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the doing of his word. Thank you, Sister Valerie. Let the church everywhere say amen. Amen. Good to see you this morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to not see you too, but I know I see you because I see you. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Can we go to God in a word of prayer this morning? Can we go to God in a word of prayer? Let us pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, gracious Lord, Holy Spirit, Heavenly Dove, we're grateful for tonight, today, God. We're grateful for this morning, grateful for the opportunity to come into your house. We're grateful for to be in our respective houses. For whether two or three are gathered in your name, you're there in the midst. Thank you for house churches this morning. And thank you for the opportunity to worship wherever we are that we don't have to congregate to be a congregation. Thank you for the opportunity, God, today to share the word of God, to pray together, and to worship in song together. Thank you for the great musicianship today, God. Thank you for uh, the great singing, God. Thank you for the worship leader, and thank you for their families, God. And thank you for just being around, being that Jehovah Shammah, the present Lord. You are truly present. You sit high above and you also are right down low with us. You're eminent. God, and we praise you this morning. Help us to hear your word and then be doers of your word. Help us to listen to your commands and do your commands. In Jesus' name, we pray. Let the church everywhere say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Can you virtual give a hand clap, virtual hand clap in the name of Jesus and a real hand clap here? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are in Matthew chapter 6. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and uh, verses 9 to 13. And uh, I've been preaching from the series uh, Body Trauma. Um, and uh, this will be, I believe, as, as God gives it to me, I believe, uh, we'll see be the last sermon in that series of sermons. And if you uh, had it had a chance to, to listen to the sermons there on uh, a Vimeo um, as well, and you can find it under my name, and uh, would love for you to uh, take a look at those uh, series of sermons uh, talk, talking about body trauma and us coming out of, of, of trauma, and uh, that we need a deliverer, amen, somebody, and that we have to stand in the right place, um, and a number of other things. Um, so, uh, as we go into Matthew 6, um, I want you to, wherever you are, repeat after me. Can you do this? Repeat after me. You can get with this, or you can get with, somebody said it without me hearing it, amen. You can get with this, or you can get with that. Amen. Because this is where it's at, right? <laughs> amen. You know, we, we from the early 90s, you know how we do. Amen. This is a time 
You can get with this or you can get with that. This is a good time, listen to me, to do good deeds behind your closed doors so that you will get your reward for it, not here, not in front of others, but in heaven. Can we look at the scripture today in Matthew chapter 6? And I want you to follow me. This is a teaching lesson today, a word today. And I, I want you to look at um, chapter 6. We'll be there and then dip into 5 and, and 7. But I want you to look. Uh, and this is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, and uh, here we are in chapter 6, verse 1. What does it say in chapter 6, verse 1? Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of of others. No reward from your father in heaven. I want you to watch this. Not only is your father in heaven, your reward is, right? It is more, it is more than a contextual suggestion here in the scripture, in, 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 the, in the grammar here and in the context of the scripture here that in heaven refers both to where the father is and where you will receive your reward. I'm saying this because we can be too concerned with what we can get right now. And that's, even in this time especially, is understandable. I mean, we want to feel good about ourselves, about what we're doing and where we're headed. And to get immediate gratification is something we can be looking for under the circumstances we are in right now. But what I'm proposing this morning is that the best way to feel good about what you're doing is to not post your good deeds on Facebook or Instagram. I know that's not popular, but I'm going to tell you, that's not the best thing you can do. Write this down if you write things down. Self-promotion brings no reward in heaven. Can I get an amen, somebody? Self-promotion brings no what? Reward in heaven. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get some likes for sure. But I want us to be keenly aware that those likes was our reward. Our father has nothing for us for the righteousness we perform because we put it on front street. We're, we're a disciple of Jesus and he is saying to his disciples, Don't, do not intentionally showcase your righteousness to get accolades from others. That's what he's saying. Verse 2. Look at it with me, verse 2, chapter 6. So when you give to the needy, somebody read it with me. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the what? Hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, you have received their reward in full. You have received, they have received their reward in full. I am proposing what Jesus is, that the best way to feel good, uh, feel good about the good you're doing is not to tell a soul. Verse 3, Jesus says, look at verse 3, but when you give to the needy, do not let your what? Your left hand, come on somebody, know what your, y'all know the scripture, what the, your right hand is doing. Verse 4, so that why? So that your giving may be what? In secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will do what? He'll reward you. Don't even 
tell your whole self what you were doing. Because sometimes another part of you will want to brag about it. And that will block your, an internal blessing for you from the Father himself. Anybody want an internal blessing from the Father himself? That's how, your, that's how secret your giving to those in need needs to be. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now follow me here. I want you to skip over to... Verse 19 with me in the same chapter 6. Verse 19. We'll get to uh, this disciple's prayer but uh, toward the end, but I want you to see the context of the scripture. Verse 19. Uh, ver before that, after he talks about don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, right? Your father will, who sees you, sees what is done in secret. He gets down there and verse 4 will reward you, right? He'll reward you. Then talks about prayer. We'll get into that, but you look at fasting. It's all these things. Don't be heathens or hypocrites. That's what he's saying. And then verse 19, he says, do not store up for yourselves, read it with me, treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves do what? Break in and steal. You know the scripture. But verse 20, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, come on, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want you to see this as a summary of what just took place already. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He's talking about heaven, right? Your righteousness has to be about getting your rewards in heaven. Having your treasures, your rewards in heaven. If you focus, this is about being kingdom minded. If you're focused on having your rewards in heaven, you put your heart in heaven. Come on. You put your heart in the kingdom. This is about putting your heart in the kingdom of God while you're on earth. Follow me. Remember that. Jesus' commands are about, making, about us making choices. That's what it's about. So what you see in uh, this Sermon on the Mountainside is Jesus, after he's saying, blessed are those and blessed are those and blessed are those, he goes into these commands and he's, he's telling us what to do, the choices we have to make. And Jesus is saying to, to us, there are so many choices that you and I, that we have to make when we want to follow him. So many choices. And he's giving us these choices. If you read from chapter 5, 6, and 7, you'll see the choices, the commands of God. And I want you to, in fact, go backwards to Matthew 5. Can you go backwards to Matthew 5 for me? Matthew 5 and go to verse 19. Yes, 19, in, but in, now in chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 19. Give you a second. Chapter 5, there's a second. It just left. Verse 19. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands... Do you see this? Anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly, that is by virtue of them putting one of these commands aside. You teach people, when you put a command aside, you teach people what you're not doing. Come on, somebody. You will be called what? Least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called what? Great in the kingdom of heaven. You have a choice. You and I have a choice to make. We can get with this. 
with his program, his commands, or not. Verse 20, look at it with me. Verse 20, what does it say? For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, read it with me, and the teachers of the law, read it with me, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. I want you to notice he mentions, he mentions the Pharisees and the teachers of the law because they represented the world even though they were considered religious. Because they were acting the way the rest of the world acts. Church, don't act like the rest of the world acts. That's why Jesus says now and again throughout these three chapters, he says this, two, yeah, three chapters, he says, don't be like the pagans, he keeps saying. He keeps saying, don't, be, don't do what the heathens do. He says, don't be hypocrites. That, that's what worldly people do. That's, and that's how the religious leaders, and he mixes in the Pharisees. Uh, um, and he says that's how the religious leaders from God's house were living. That's why Jesus says don't be like, again, the hypocrites. He was actually saying hypocrites. He was actually referring to the Pharisees and those who teach God's law because they were hypocrites. They were doing things they should not be doing and proclaiming they knew God. And because that's how they were living, that's what they were teaching by virtue of their witness. And that's why Jesus keeps saying from paragraph to paragraph, don't do this and don't do that. Can I recap for a second? According a, a few sermons ago, uh, messages ago, according to Exodus 15, in order for us to have God be the Lord who heals us, in order for us to have God be Jehovah Rapha for us, he says, I am Jehovah Rapha, I'm the Lord who heals in Exodus 15. In order for him, in order for us to receive God who is the healer, we have to follow, it says, his commands. We have to pay attention to his commands. God in Exodus 15 is not talking about physical healing, though when we say he's Jehovah Rapha, yes, he can heal us physically. But what he's talking about actually in the scripture when he calls himself Jehovah Rapha, he's talking about emotional healing. He's talking about a uh, 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 healing that has to do with what's going on on the spiritual inside of us. God is talking not about physical healing for his people when he said it in Exodus 15 that he would be the Lord who heals them because they weren't physically ill there. He said, I'm going to be the God who heals you. They were emotionally, they were psychologically, listen to me, traumatized by what they were going and had just gone through. Their people had been subjected to slavery for 400 years. And they had just gone through the middle of the Red Sea that God had parted for them on dry ground. They needed to be healed from their historical trauma. And just like us. And the way to do that is to pay attention, he says, to the Lord's commands. How you get healed, how God will be Jehovah Rapha in your life is for you to pay attention to what he says. And what he does in the Beatitudes, in the Blessed, he goes into these commands and says, listen to what I'm saying. Don't do this, do that. This is a new way of living. And they were historically traumatized in Matthew chapter 5 because he was preaching to people who were all poor in the context of people who surrounded them who were rich. And he said, you're blessed, poor people. Listen, rich people, you're blessed. 
That's what he was doing there. They were traumatized. Can you imagine not having enough calories to physically sustain you from day to day? They did not have enough to eat. That's facts. So when Jesus fed thousands of people, it was a little different than what some of us can imagine. He says, pay attention to my commands. And this is what we have here in Matthew, the Lord's commands. So you go from Exodus 15 into Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The Lord is saying this. The Lord is saying God's people must not do what everybody else does. And the many examples we have, including the examples of many of our own religious leaders, are reflective actually of what we must not do instead of what we should do. Can I get an amen, somebody? Instead of telling us that God's people in his day were not distinguishable, this is what he's saying, from the rest of people. He's telling us that God's people were not distinguishable from people in his, from the rest of the people in his day. And that, I believe, is true today. Throughout Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is interweaving the witness of the current leaders of the house of God with the witness of pagans and heathens and hypocrites. He's saying they're all the same, hypocrites. That's why he's saying hypocrites and heathens and pagans and uh, Pharisees and teachers of the law, they're all the same. That's what he's saying. He's making the point. Remember, he's talking to poor people surrounded by those people who are the Pharisees and the hypocrites and the pagans and the heathens. He, he's making the point that they are all living pretty much the same way. They have constructed their lives the same way. Here it is. And so at the end of this sermon on the mountainside in chapter 7, and verse 24, can you go to it with me? And I'll go to it with you. Chapter 7, at the end of this sermon, in chapter 7, verse 24, chapter 7 and verse 24, chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says this. Therefore, this is the summary, everyone who hears these words of mine, are you with me? Everyone, therefore, as a summary, who hears these words of mine, all these commands, and actually puts them into practice is what? Watch this. Is like, it should have new meaning for you, a wise man who built his house on the rock. That's how you heal from your trauma. You do what he says. You pay attention to his command. What, is, what does his commands provide for you? If you put his commands into practice, You'll be like a wise person who built their house on the rock. Verse 25. The rain came down. The streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. Anybody need their house to stand today in the midst of all this mess? Yet it did not fall. What? Because it had, it had its foundation with. On the rock. He's saying anyone who decides to live like everybody else decides to be indistinguishable from everybody else. But if you live on the rock, come on, somebody. Our choice is plain. Here it is, and I'll read some more. It says in verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down. Come on, somebody. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And what happened to that house? 
It fell because they didn't do what, they didn't pay attention to Jesus' commands, and they didn't construct a house that could stand. The rain came, the stream rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Have mercy, Jesus. Our choice is plain, and so the question is simple. Are we going to live a constructive life or a destructive one? Are we going to live a life each day in all of our actions that builds a household, that builds a life that can withstand a severe storm, a blizzard, because it has its foundation on the rock? Watch this. This metaphor of the rock that Jesus is using is not arbitrary. He is using this rock to talk about your faith. Faith is a rock. Peter told Jesus, somebody say faith is a rock. Peter told Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, you are right, Peter. And upon this rock, upon this faith, I will build Petra. Faith, Peter, I will build my church. Somebody say faith is a rock. And your practice of that faith is the construction of your house on that rock. Let me say that again. Faith is a rock. You can write this down. And your practice of that faith, and your practice of that faith is the construction of your house on that rock. I'll say it again for you if you're writing it down or typing it up. And faith is a rock, and your practice of that faith is the construction of your house on that rock. The practice of your faith builds the house. The practice of your faith constructs your house. The practices of your faith are the constructs of a healthy and sustainable life. For your house, for your home, for your family, for your individuality. I must say this so you can hear me. When I looked at this scripture, it was just simply a God thing. Because I originally came to this scripture from a very personal place. I was actually sitting on the edge of, of my bed this week, and I just felt the need. I believe I knew it was the Holy Spirit pulling on my heart to pray using the rubric of the foundational prayer of our faith. You know, when you're going through stuff, you go back to your foundation. Isn't that right? And it just, I just knew God was pulling on my heart to, to, to go and to pray using the rubric. This is how you should pray, not exactly what you should pray, but how you should pray. This is your rubric. This is a way it should be laid out for you. How The foundational prayer of faith, our Father who art in heaven. See, just feeling the need, um, can I just give a little testimony? Just feeling the need to pray for the essential things. Anybody needed to pray for the essential things today? Oh, thank God to be able to go and get what you need and go back home. Just feeling the need to pray for the essential things that we need in life and to thank God for those things, for those basic necessities. And I found myself personally circling around that scripture as I often do, as I always do actually, to discover the context of that scripture. So I'm going to read our Father who art in heaven. That's how I should pray. But I'm always going to circle around the scripture. Why? Because I want to know, in order to know what the scripture says, i got to circle around it. Come on, somebody. And to discover the context of that scripture and then finding all these commands. And I've read this many, many times, hundreds of times, I'm sure. But what I found when I was thinking about and reading, this is how we should pray our Father out in heaven. I started looking and finding again, once again in my life, all of these commands. I'm a church boy. I've been reading scripture all my life. 
But I love scripture because something new just props up in you out of nowhere. And you're saying, what, Lord? I can look at a scripture all my life and see something else. And it all makes sense. And I'm finding all these commands from, from Jesus. You must understand. We left off, as I said before, on Exodus 15 a few weeks ago, talking about the, the importance if you want God to be the God who heals in your life. Remember what I said? Uh, uh, we must follow, pay attention to the Lord's commands so that we can be blessed by Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us from our trauma. And here, right here, in the midst surrounding this rubric of a foundational prayer, Father, who art in heaven, I find these wonderful commands once again in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the commands that if you follow them, you will build your house on a rock, the rock of faith. The irony is when you look back at Matthew 5, watch this now. Can I show you something? Go back to Matthew 5. If you look back, go back to Matthew 5. Come on. Go, if the irony is if you look back at Matthew 5, verse 13, you'll see this. Here's some irony. Watch this. Famous scripture. You are the salt of the earth. Are you with me? Chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. Here's the irony. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Remember we said we should, I was reading, right, that when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And that when you pray, it goes on as pray in, your, in a closet. And then it goes on to fasting and then look, put some lotion on. That's the, that's the contemporary version. Put something on your face so you don't look ashy. And then people think and know that you're fasting because that's just showing off. And then put your treasures in heaven, your monetary treasures. Don't store them up in the world, but store them up in heaven. The focus on being kingdom minded. Got all that right? And all that's going on. And he's saying, but do these good deeds, remember, in secret. Then he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Watch. You are the light of the world. Here's a, here's, here's a, here's a conundrum. You are the light of the world. A town on a hill, built on a hill. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Don't hide yourself. Wait a second. It just said, go to your prayer closet. Don't pray babbling, it says, and saying many words. And, and, and you don't do your good deeds so other people can give you likes on Facebook and Instagram. Wait a second. A town built on a hill, that's who you are, cannot be hidden. Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Wait a second. That they may see your good deeds. Wait a second. Isn't Jesus contradicting himself? Of course he isn't. Look what he says, and glorify. Not you. But your father in heaven. Where? In heaven. Kingdom minded. Your rewards in heaven. Your father's in heaven. What you receive as, a, as an eternal blessing is in heaven. Saw up your treasures. Where? Not on where? I'm going somewhere. Not on earth, but where? In heaven. Watch this. What seems to be contradictory is not the differences in who gets the glory. What is your honest intent then when you showcase yourself? I mean, really, let's be honest. 
When you post something that says, I'm doing great work out there. Don't you love me? You should like me. You should love me. We got the, the love now on Facebook. You should love me. What is your honest intent when you showcase yourself? I mean, really, let's be honest. Many people do it to be recognized for themselves. We know that. Let's be honest. Some people do it so that their work can be seen and spread to others. They, we want to encourage you to do work because we're doing good work. And, and that's, that's well, and let me say it this way, that's well and partially good. Because, but as a disciple of Jesus, that's not even close to the primary reason why you let people see your good deeds. Listen to me. Spreading the word about an injustice by itself is a secular notion that lends itself to philanthropy. The love for our fellow human, but void of a first love for God. Void of a first love for God. Philanthropy, the love for our fellow human, but void of our first love, of a first love for God. Very few Christians let their, I'm a church boy, very, any church folk up in here, been in church all your life. Very few Christians let their light shine so that God will get the glory alone. Go forward to Matthew 6. I'll say it again. Very few Christians let their light, that's why we're going to be shocked when we get to heaven. We're going, Amen. We're like, what happened, to, what happened to brother? Millions didn't make it. Right? Come on. Where's the whining folk? Come on. Look at verse 6. I know I didn't hit that note. It's okay. <laughs> verse 6. Chapter 6, sorry. It's chapter 6, verse 5. Look at chapter 6 and verse 5. I'm going to get happy right up in here with these 10 folk. Come on. Look at chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. Amen. Chapter 6 and verse 5. Amen. It says this. Look at it. And when you pray. Remember all these, these are a lot of do's and do nots. Mostly do nots, right? Do this, but it says do not, do not, do not. And when you pray, here's one do not. Do not, are you with me? Be like the who? The hypocrites. Who's he referring to? Pharisees. <laughs> Religious leaders. Folk up in the house of God. And when you pray, Come on, somebody. Do not be like the hypocrites. He knows who that. They know who he's talking about. That's context. For they, why, don't, don't be like these religious folk when you go to the house of God. Don't be like them. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue in the house of God and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. That's real. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Come on, somebody. Then what happens? Then, let me tell you what happens, Jesus says. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, where's your reward? In heaven. And when you pray, that's the context. Do not keep on what? Babbling like what? Like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like who? Don't, don't be like them. For your father, I'm referring to the father, knows what you need. Come on. Before you. Now you're supposed to pray without ceasing everything. Give thanks for it is the will of God in Christ Jesus. We know you're supposed to pray. But you don't have to have many words. Because Why? 
Because why? Because your father already knows, come on, what you need before you what? Ask him. I got it, Pastor. That's why we need to be plain and simple. Somebody say plain and simple. With God when we pray. Notice that the focus of the first half of this prayer that I'm going to end with. I want you to look at it with me. I'm almost done. Now here's this famous rubric of the foundational prayer, of a foundational prayer as disciples of Jesus. But I want you to notice something here. And I'm just going to, you can, we can preach, I could preach this prayer for, for four, five, six, seven, eight Sundays. But let me just show you something here. So not to do it injustice because there's much more there. But here's what I want to, what God gave me to focus on. Look at our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Notice that the focus of the first half of your, of your prayer, this is not Jesus' prayer. This is not the Lord's prayer. It's the disciples' prayer, right? He's not saying this is my prayer. He's saying this is your prayer. Stop calling it the Lord's prayer. Call it the disciples' prayer. This is how you should pray. <laughs> That's what he said, right? Who? You. He's telling you, me, us. Notice that the focus of the first half of your prayer is on heaven. It's on heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, heaven, come. Your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. I think that the first half of the, this foundational prayer of how we should pray is focused on heaven. Write that down. The first half of your prayer is on heaven. The first half of your prayer, write it down, is on heaven. Why? Because you're kingdom-minded. When you're going through, when you don't have enough, when you feel bound, when the world has got you down, you need to be kingdom-minded first. Stop praying first about what's going on in this world. Stop praying first about what's going on with you. Stop praying, focusing on what's happening down here first. And instead, come on, somebody. Instead, do this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all that you need will be added, will be given to you as well. In fact, that verse I just gave you, that verse is actually at the end of this chapter. Context. Somebody say context. It's right there in chapter 6, the same chapter, and verse 33. I'm trying to get you to see how important context is in order to understand Scripture. Right? I didn't have to go anywhere and pull out another Scripture. It was right there. I love the Scripture. Write this down. Pray first about the Father and his kingdom. Pray first about the Father in your homes. Pray first about the Father and his kingdom. In other words, fix your mind on his kingdom. Our Father. Somebody read with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray first about the Father and his kingdom. Then look at what it says. Then after you focus first on the Father, give him his due, hallowed, how wonderful, how magnificent, how glorious, how honored we honor your name, how honored is your name. Then after you focus first on the Father and his kingdom, listen to me, focus on what you're dealing with on earth. After you focus on the Father and the kingdom, his kingdom, focus then on what you're dealing with on earth. Verse 11, look at it with me. Give us, this is so great. 
give us what? Today, what? Our daily bread. In other words, Father, I need you to provide the food. Come on. We need for your disciples for today. I just need food for today. Look at the next verse. And forgive us our debts. Boy, did we mess this up for so many years. I grew up in church, messed this up. Just forgive everybody their sins. That's not specifically what they're talking about here. Please. It's this, Father, we need, and you'll get this for right now. Father, we need our monetary debts forgiven by you. Why? Because these are poor people who what? Who didn't have enough calories to sustain themselves from day to day. And the synagogue had worked out a system to take their money. They said, oh, remember how Jesus cleared the temple? Why did he clear the temple? Because what were they doing? They were trading. What were they trading? They were trading goats. And well, Why were they trading that? Because those were sacrifices. And guess who were buying them? Why did they think they had to buy them? Because the religious leaders told them, the priests told them, you got to buy these things. Who were they buying them from? From the priests. Come on, somebody. Come on, give me. Yo, you need this to make a sacrifice to relieve you of your sin. You got to, so you got to bring a sacrifice to pr a praise into the house of the Lord. But then go ahead and fill my pot. I'll give you the goat. The goat's going to cost you twice as much, much as it's worth. Well, I don't have the money. I gave you, I bought a goat last week. I'm going to buy a goat today. And you buy that goat. They say, well, you buy that boat, goat, boat, that goat on what? On credit. Lay away. Come on. But they gave it to you. And, and they took your and they didn't take your money. They gave you. They, they said, you owed us something. So Jesus is saying right here, forgive us. We should say, our prayer, not his. He doesn't have a debt. Come on, somebody. He says, forgive us our debts. We need to, our monetary debts forgiven by you, God. And then talk to American Express for us later on in the week. Come on, somebody. Hello, somebody. Anybody feel what I'm talking about here? That's the scripture. And forgive us our debts, our monet, uh, the things that we owe, the money that we owe, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And Father, while you are forgiving us, we need to forgive those who owe us some money as well. That's the scripture, plain and simple. He was doing it right there. It wasn't debts. It's not forgive us our trespasses. That's not its debt. It's money. It's money. Verse 13. You can say trespass, but just know it's money. Verse 13. And lead us, what? Not into what? Temptation. I'm done. But deliver us from the evil one. I'll end with this. And lastly, Father, keep us as your disciples away from temptations. And if we find ourselves in some devilish situation, bring us out of it. Anybody need to be brought out sometimes from some 
devilish situations that people will put us in. Come on, somebody. We'll walk into something and we'll find out we're in a devilish situation. Bring us out of it, Lord. Rescue us from it. Deliver us from whatever the devil who is called the God of this world, the God of this earth. Because I just prayed first about heaven and you and your kingdom, and now I'm praying about the earth. The temptations that I have down here are many. Lord, deliver me. Rescue me. Deliver us from whatever the devil who is called the God of this earth down here has planned for us. That's the scripture. And I'll say this last thing. The way, you can write this down, the way to make the right choice is to focus on the kingdom. The way to, somebody just got it, wrapped it up for you. The way to make the right choice, those choices, those commands, choose what God says, the Lord says, Jesus says to do. The way to make the right choice is to focus what? On the kingdom or what reward you will get where? In heaven where the Father is. The way to make the right choice is to focus on the kingdom. Because why? You can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this because this is where it's at. Hallelujah. And amen. Praise God. Can we stand to our feet all? couple of us at home, you don't have to stand to your feet, but you can if you want to. Amen. Praise God. I want to invite you uh, to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you don't know him, we invite you to know him today. Amen. He is the God of all creation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. What separates us from God is sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin, the penalty for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What separates us from a holy, just, and loving God is sin. That's why Jesus, when he came and died on the cross, he bridged the gap between us and God, God between us and God by paying for that sin. He took all the sins of the world upon him. And he died in our place. That's why he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? It was him saying, all the sins of the world lay upon me through this death. So that everyone else might have life. His body was broken. So that your relationship with him cannot be broken. I said that last week. Did you get it? His body was broken. So that your relationship with him cannot be broken. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And I say that. Nothing can No pandemic can do it. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, you can have him right now. He says, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice, I will come in and sup with him. And he, he with me, he welcomes you with the love of the Lord. You can uh, accept Jesus right now. You can tell us on Facebook Live. You can tell somebody, somebody will connect with you. There we have people there to connect with you. If you'd like to join the church, you're welcome to join. You can say, I'd like to join. And when we get back together, that's non-virtually. You can come in, amen, but you're here now. So we welcome the doors of the church are open virtually, amen, for you. And we welcome you if you're in the area to do that. If you're watching us and you... 
Um, you're going to watch your service at another church. God bless you. I'm sure it's a great church. And, and you're watching at 11. Amen. We church folk, we like to watch service. Amen. <laughs> Anybody like to watch service? Amen. And so you watch it at 9. You got something to go, go watch at 11 o'clock. God bless you. God bless you. God bless your pastor. God bless the congregation. We're praying for all the churches. Amen. All the churches, all the people, all the levels of God. God bless you. If you're giving, we welcome you to give. Someone's going to put up the secure give uh, link after the service in just about a few moments. Please give those who give their tithes. Members of the church, give your tithes and offerings. Tithes first, offerings above the tithes. Amen. The needs of the church don't go away. God doesn't need it. We do. That's the reality of it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it or anything. We don't do fundraisers. We just say give because God tells us. He commands us to give. Where your treasure is, Matthew 6, there is your heart also. I want my treasure to be in heaven. Don't store up things for yourselves where dust and moth will destroy, where thieves break in and steal. That's on earth. Get your mind on the kingdom. But, but, but right? That's what you have to do. Give to the kingdom of God. That's where you get your re eternal reward. Not on earth. Don't store it up on earth. Give it toward heaven. Pay it forward in Jesus' name. Hallelujah and amen. God bless you. I know some of you are going to, uh, whether it's a, it's a PTR Ignite, one of those happened right after praise and worship. And the other one is happening right after the word right now. Amen. And I know next Sunday we're going to have, Lord willing, Children's Church virtually as well. So we'll welcome you to that. Amen. amen. Praise God. Praise God. So all the household and those children can do something while you do something else. Somebody, parents, say amen. 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 Praise God. All right. God bless you. Amen. I'm going to ask Minister Greg Millens. You can use this mic. Come on up here in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I, I, I hope that you are blessed by, by the word this morning. Amen. Uh, faith is our rock. Amen. And uh, uh, just moved by uh, the importance of keeping our eyes heavenward. Uh, I, I, I want uh, to draw your attention to one last uh, announcement. Uh, on Facebook Live right now, uh, someone's going to put a link up for an Embrace card. Uh, it's important that you take a second and fill out this Embrace card because it is a way for us to, to, to share our love with you and also to meet and build in relationship. Uh, we we, we want to minister to you. We also want to pray for you during this time. And so if you, you have prayer requests, if you have needs, please, as our minister Marlon mentioned earlier, please reach out through the Embrace card, um, also through, through uh, an email. We love you, and we miss you, and we want to honor God uh, while we are near and while far. Amen? Glory to God. Amen. If I can help somebody. As I pass along, can we end with this? If I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody that the traveling wrong then my living shall not be in vain 
then my living shall not be in vain. No, my living shall not be in vain. we can have do good works glorify your God in heaven somebody so that they can glorify him in heaven as we travel on then our living shall not be in vain then my living shall not be in vain no my living shall not be and do our good deeds and help somebody do what Jesus said. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. As we pass along, then our living shall not be in vain. Can we get a hand clap for the Lord God Almighty? Maker of heaven, her Jesus Christ is only Son, our Lord. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and ascended at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Anybody believe in the Holy Spirit? The church universal, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let the church say amen. Amen. And I want to invite you next, next week. I'm going to start a new series of sermons called The Blazing Center. Talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody need the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives? In Jesus' name. The blaze. Somebody say the blazing center. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. Have a wonderful day. In Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Thanks so much for a great band. Amen. Brother Jenkins, Brother Gibbs. Amen. Brother Dev. Amen. God bless you. They're phenomenal. God blessed them with gifts. And our wonderful minister, Deirdre Jenkins, who is a phenomenal, phenomenal saint of the living God who gives us a gift of song and worship leadership in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. We'll see you next time. Amen and amen.